Hi everyone, I'm Annika and this is the Tried and Truth Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode. If you're tuning in for the first time, so glad you're here. You all are all in for a treat today because we are sitting down with the incredible Mae Brayton who has been working in stand-up comedy and teaching improv for many years, also just writing and working on screenplays and productions. You are gonna be so inspired by what Mae is sharing with us today. Things like how do we step out onto the stage of life without always having to have a plan? How do we move past so many of our natural fear responses or just simply overcome our fear of failure? How do we engage better with the world around us and stop internalizing at the same time what others are saying or thinking about us and really owning our own narrative? We're also talking about emotional vulnerability and so much more. So I know you're going to love today's conversation with May. So without further ado, May Brayton. May, thanks so much for being here. This is going to be really, really fun. (laughs) Oh, thank you, Annika. I'm really excited to be here. I feel like the chance to just sit down with someone that that works in your world, I don't think that you can do an episode without having fun. So that's the exciting part about today. (laughs) Yes, the goal is definitely fun. Um, Yeah, I I fell in love with improv, um, I guess about 11 or 12 years ago. Um, I think I was in law school at the time and was just really burnt out and wanted to just not think and have fun and now i'm addicted to it and that is what i do for my livelihood that is so cool so talk to us a little bit about the transition from law school to the improv world because that is a very different leap like i'd love to just hear your story of this fork in the road and discovery uncovering phase of your life Well, I think like a lot of people, I went to law school as a reaction to being a frustrated artist. Uh, I started out writing uh, screenplays and I sent one to a producer for a read that I'd paid for and I got back the most, uh, you know, eviscerating notes, just like, (laughs) the notes were so bad. I just thought like, okay, I should go be a lawyer. This is my backup plan. (laughs) So I tried it. It did not jive well with my personality. Um, There was a lot of risk aversion and um, kind of a general fearfulness of all the things that can go wrong. I guess that's a lawyer's job. So um, I kind of branched out from there and did a master's in neuroscience so that I could cut down the number of law classes that I had to take. So I just wanted to kind of, I don't know, do something a little more fun. And uh, when I discovered neuroscience, yes. That's, that should be their slogan. Um, yeah. And then when I discovered improv, I was like, oh, this is magic. It's just completely magical to step out on stage with absolutely no plan and to um, really trust that the people around you are there to, to help support you and to keep you safe. I love that you just said, like, the people around you are there to support you because... Mm-hmm. I think whether it's on a stage or in a boardroom or in a courtroom, you always feel like it's this us and them. And what you just said really just blends the humanity of everybody in the room. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. This year has been a really good year for me because of other people. Um, I've done a lot more reaching out and it's interesting COVID times. uh, A lot of people were home, not doing things. And I found that just by randomly reaching out to people I admired, who were further along than I was in something that I dreamed of. Those people were just willing to respond. Maybe that was always the case, but at this moment, I found people would just chat with you about the things they're passionate about and enjoyed doing so. 
No, that's really good. I always say that people are really willing to help you. They just need an opportunity to do so. And so often we just, we don't share. And so people don't know. And so people don't have an opportunity to, to help and to guide and open doors. So I think that's just such a testimony to that truth, right? To, to that belief. And you talked a little bit about the ability to show up without a plan. Mm-hmm. What are just some insights or, or lessons that you have learned in this ability to show up without a plan? Because I just so strongly feel that so many of us are wired to having a plan. Mm-hmm. We must have the plan and we must know the next step and the freedom that comes with just showing up without a plan. How do you get there? <laughs> uh- <laughs> A lifetime of procrastination. (laughs) Um, I mean, that is true. Like what prepared me to feel like I would enjoy the adrenaline rush of being on stage, not knowing what was going to happen next, probably really did come from like, oh my gosh, there was a presentation today. I didn't write it down. I had no idea what it was. I know five facts about ancient Egypt. Here we go. And if you do it with confidence, a lot of times people will just say, oh, yeah, that's plausible. <laughs> that is fabulous. I think for everyone who thought they were a procrastinator, I am a huge procrastinator. I always thought that was such a huge weakness, but I'm going to go with that as a strength. <laughs> I think it does strengthen some of your, um, your muscles, like your resilience. You can just kind of jump up and say like, all right, I've got to do something with what I have right now. And it does kind of prepare you to be in crisis situations, uh, whether or not that's healthy, I actually do find enjoyment from it. And so this kind of scratched that itch. And then maybe in my regular life, I can do planning and, you know, and just still get that thrill in front of a bunch of strangers who are judging me. <laughs> so good. So you've worked with a lot of, of people and a lot of students in, in your professional life and around this. And for those that, I mean, do people that naturally want to go in to improv, do they ever wrestle with that? Like that fear of not showing up without a plan? Or if you go into this world, you're born for this? Oh, absolutely not. No, this can be learned. Um, I have students who definitely, that's, it's very much like a beginner thing to step up and go like, okay, we are at McDonald's. I am your boss. And this burger is not satisfactory. And that's coming from a fear place right? What is your natural fear response? You're going to go back to that. If your natural fear response is to kind of hide, you're just going to feel the instinct to want to just stay off stage or on the back line. If your fear response is to try to just take charge and make everything happen your way, um, you're going to step up and kind of bulldoze the scene. But either way, it's not really a good scene because it doesn't have that magic of the unexpected. Hmm. The audience is excited because you don't know what's going to happen. And so if you really step out there and trust, then what happens next is just going to be way more magical because you're building it together. The magic of the unexpected. I've never heard it put that way. I think we we feel that the magic is in the expected when it happens, but there is so much magic in letting things just unfold <laughs> in the expected. And that's really good. Um, you know, in you mentioned the word fear, and I think we all have so many fears and we all respond to fears so differently, but it is so powerful. And you mentioned just, you know, knowing how you respond and and understanding and breaking down that, 
that natural fear response. What other fears do you find that a lot of people in this world have to navigate? Because I think there's so much we can pull into our daily life that people that do feel more free to just to show up and, and give their best and, and be, you know, speak to an audience do. Like, I think we can learn so much from that. Yeah. I think that when you are willing to fail, it opens up so many doors. And if you feel that you're thinking about everybody else's judgment, how would I say this? I don't know if you've ever heard of that um, kind of walking art experiment where people will just stand around and look at a, uh, a fire extinguisher in an art gallery. Like, have you heard of this? No. Just okay. <laughs> so the idea that like if a group of people gathers around and just stares at a fire extinguisher in an art gallery, other people will gather too and they'll say, Oh, is is this an exhibit? Is this important? Where you put your attention matters. So if your attention is only on, oh my gosh, how am I doing? How am I performing? I really feel that the audience can sense that energy, that you don't feel comfortable, that you don't feel like you have control of the situation in your own body and that they get nervous for you, it's not a pleasant experience for them. So if instead you make something real, like if we're here making an ice cream sundae, and to me, every scoop of ice cream is real and I'm focusing on it like it's something important, even though the scene ends up being about our relationship and our emotional space, the fact that I'm imbuing these things with importance means that the audience is much more likely to also believe the thing I'm doing is important. I'm really still cool. miming my ice cream. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we can have ice cream here together. This is great. Yes, this is going to have some ice cream. Mm. I mean, just thinking about that, I, I don't think we realize the impact that our energy has on others. And I think that goes back to confidence. And even though, you know, I think we have to have confidence, even though we might fail, if you don't have that confidence, who's going to have that confidence in you. And like you said, that energy, it makes other people uncomfortable. Yeah. That's really, really good. And just like engaging people in, in that feeling and in that, that act and that emotion is, is really good. In all of your, your years of working with students, what is just a really big aha or lesson that you've learned or something that you just love seeing? in people as they go through the journey of their own development of those skills? Lately, the thing I've been loving most is seeing people's emotional vulnerability, like the willingness to really care deeply about things. Uh, I, I think that you want to seem cool when everyone's watching you. Um, but when you like really go bananas for something, like it's just the most exciting thing or the most heartbreaking thing or the scariest thing, then suddenly there are stakes and the audience can see that and they feel as though um, there's something worth watching here. This is, uh, this is something that really grabs my attention too. What about just the, the beauty of, of failure? I think you, know, you talked a little bit about that. I think we don't see failure as beautiful. We see failure as something we want to avoid at, at all costs. And I think in life, it requires showing up, knowing that there is a chance you might fail, but showing up regardless. I'd love for you just to elaborate on just failure in general and your own experience, and maybe that which you share with a lot of your students. 
I'm so glad you asked me that because I do love talking about failure. I would consider myself a little bit of a failure junkie. <laughs> um, like when we see somebody make a mistake in an improv game, I think the best thing to do is just to get around and clap and cheer because they put themselves out there because it's, it's scary to fail in front of people and to know that everyone's supporting you is magical. I also think that if you are not failing on a regular basis, you are not innovating. If you have like five funny voices and five funny characters that you always pull out in any scene regardless, audiences are going to eventually tire of it. So you have to come up with ways of continuing to entertain. And to do that, you have to try something you haven't tried before. Otherwise, it's not going to be new to anyone. It's not interesting. I've ever heard it put that way. Um, you know, I think we all gravitate towards strengths. Mm -hmm. And if you just constantly work on those things that you know and that you're good at, it also just removes this ability to innovate in your life and innovate in all aspects of your life. Our oldest son was reading a book yesterday. He was reading it out loud. And it was the story of how the daughter came home and she shows the parents this paper that she forgot to, there was a note from the teacher saying, you forgot to turn in your assignment. You forgot that it was due today. Don't forget next time. And she was like in tears before her parents and that the mom and the dad just start clapping. <laughs> and she said that the little girl just like, I didn't know how to respond. And the parents said, you failed. Like, this is so good. Like, this is such a great thing that they don't teach you in school. It just will help you to be so much better prepared next time when we can, you know, celebrate rather than punish you for making a mistake or not having it all together. It's like we learn and we grow from those moments. And I had just never heard it put that way. I mean, even just carrying that over into parenting where, you know, when a child fails or doesn't get the grade or doesn't, you know, our, our society teaches that it's all supposed to follow the lines and follow the book and follow the path. And there's, there's just, there's not freedom in a lot of that. There's no room for growth. There's no room for innovation. So I love hearing that, that take on it. So good. I love that so much because even though like, I love having fun on stage, I could do better at it as a parent because as a parent, the stakes <laughs> feel so high. I feel like, oh my gosh, these people are under my control. I have to mold them and, and it doesn't really work that way. And so I, I absolutely love that story you shared because I will be doing that now with my kids. <laughs> Well, they feel this pressure to perform for us, you know, as parents. And how do we even just create that space or freedom for them to fail and to learn? That is a skill that if you can learn that to fail and how to get back up in the small things in life when it's not really important and it's a paper in kindergarten, you get to build that muscle rather than learning that in your first job and taking it so hard and the, the hit and the fall being so deep you have already developed that muscle. So that's so good. What other thoughts on just improv or, or lessons can you share with, with me, with us today that you just feel like, God, this is just so good. I wish everybody would know this or do this more in their daily life. Well, it's funny is because now I'm tying together parenting with improv from what <laughs> you just do. told me. And uh, I really think it's an important lesson that your feelings lie to you. Um, like when my kids are saying, I'm not tired, that's not why this is a huge deal. The truth is they are tired, they just don't have that narrative. Um, and it's, it's the same thing is that when I'm feeling shame over failure, the actual feeling in my body is like this hot flush that comes up my chest and neck, a little bit of sweat and like the back of my neck prickles. 
But then overall, once I've breathed through it for maybe about 10 seconds, it starts to dissipate. And it's not this thing that we need to spend our whole lives avoiding. I've actually renamed one of my feelings and it's been pretty amazing. And this is going to sound really weird, I think. Um, but I would sometimes get this feeling of like, okay, I'm not going to do today. I'm going to hide in my bed under my covers. And when you have that feeling, trying to drag yourself past it is really difficult. But I said, well, wait, I have sensations in my body. Maybe I am creating a narrative about what they mean, but I don't really truly know that that's a fact. Like maybe the fact is not, I can't face today. I need blankies over my head. Maybe the fact is I need a drink of water. So I started doing that. I started just, whenever I had this feeling of like, I don't think I can do it. I said, oh, I must be thirsty. And I chugged a glass of water. And it's been amazing. I'm like way more hydrated. So interesting. <laughs> and way less sad. Like those things that would feel overwhelming, you know, you just kind of start to look at the sensations in your body and they're giving us less information than we really think they are. The information is like discomfort or pleasure. That's pretty much it. And then the narrative that you make in your head drives what you're doing. And maybe it's driving you in ways that you really wouldn't prefer and you can change that. Changing the narrative, mm -hmm. which I think also too goes back to even just your own story. And I, I do want to circle back to that a little bit because I think, you know, you had this, this narrative and the thing that just lit you up in life and mm -hmm. you just thought, okay, but the narrative I'm telling myself is that, you know, maybe I just need to follow the, the straightforward path and, and go do, do law school. And, you know, in that whole journey, there's still this other narrative, the real narrative, not the false narrative that you have told yourself about all of this. And you end up back in, in who you really are. And so, so yeah, I just, I would love for you just to, to shed some light or speak to that. I think for people that have told themselves a certain narrative about their desires or the things that they want to do and out of fear, they've created another story mm -hmm. in their life that is preventing them from letting that real voice just come out and letting that real passion just come out. Like we talked about earlier about walking in without a plan, I think it's important to be flexible with our narratives and to kind of find ways to make our worlds work for us and to still move forward with our life discoveries and the things we enjoy without letting our circumstances completely uh, hinder us. So I happen to be a military spouse. And so having practice and flexibility has been really beneficial to me because when it came time to deciding whether to practice law, I had no idea when I was going to move next, which state I would be in. And so since it's a state-by-state -state, uh, bar examination, I just kind of let that go and said, you know, I didn't feel passionate about it. Uh, maybe it's time to just use these opportunities of moving to all these different places everywhere and uh, just see what there is to see, work with it and make friends. That's so good. I love the make friends part. Yeah, me too. Absolutely. <laughs> this has been crazy enough with all the social distancing. This has been the year of making friends. I feel like I've really um, connected with some great people and deepened my connections with people who have meant a lot to me. Um, it's, you know, it's a great time to reach out. If you haven't talked to somebody lately, just, you know, they're not going to be mad. Just try, say, Hey, 
send a funny cat picture. (laughs) (laughs) I think at the beginning of all of this, you know, I am such an introvert. So I thought, you know, the stars have aligned. I get to just be an introvert. This is so great. And then I quickly realized how much you need people in your life. And I think too often we are waiting for people to reach out or to, to pull us into their life. And I think everybody's waiting for that. And exactly what you just said, you know, I think rather than waiting for everything to work in our little box, it's like, just open up the box for other people and invite yourself into their life. And, you know, I think everybody is wanting to connect and everybody is wanting to meet, like make new friends and, and strengthen old friendships and all of that. But I think too often we miss that opportunity because we're waiting and we're not engaging. So I think that is, it is really important, even for the introverts. <laughs> even if you're an introvert and it's stressing, you know, talking to people stresses you out. You've got to figure out how do I make this work for me? And in what capacity to where it's not so stressful. It's like, it's just a one-on-one talk. I don't have to be in this huge room at a big event. <laughs> just make it work for you. And even just reaching out to those people in your mind, I think is actually really helpful too. Like if you see someone who is capable of doing something that you don't yet really see yourself as capable of doing, then just go ahead and picture that person and how they got there. And, you know, look to people who are just a little further along down the path than you and think like, okay, so what steps are they taking and how can I make this my own? Um, if it's, if a human can do it, you can do it. Like just, just give it a shot go out without a plan. And it's like, we make the, we make the gap really big. We look Mm -hmm. at the people that are 500 steps ahead of us Mm -hmm. and we belittle ourselves because it just feels so far, but it's fine. People that are just a few steps, fine. People that are willing to bring you along their journey. That's really good. When I was a teenager, I used to teach swimming and there was this kid who had an amazing front crawl and he was only six years old. And everybody was like, this kid is going to be a star. And it came time for our lesson. And I said, okay, time to flip on our back. And he's like, oh, I've never been good at the front, at the back crawl. <laughs> and it's like, you're six. You've never been good at much of anything. <laughs> we also never tried. Yeah, never right, exactly. Tried. Like you weren't good at like using forks not that long ago. You weren't good at talking. You weren't good at going potty. Like all of this stuff you had to learn. And the back crawl is just one of those things. You can do it, just try. I love what kids teach us. I think it's, it's these like funny little lessons where it's like you ask your kids to go do something. It's like, oh, I can't do that. That is too hard. That is just yesterday. I asked one of our kids to go pick up something and he said, that's just too many things. I've got to pick my dish up and put it in the sink. And then I also need to go pick that up. And I also have to get dressed and just broke down. I can't do it. That's too many things. Like, I think that's what we do in our life. We make these huge things out of really tiny details and, and tiny movements that we need to make. We create this huge story in our mind that's so overwhelming. It's like, it's not that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. It's okay. It's all going to be okay. What has been your, your biggest joy about just being on stage? Well, laughter is kind of a drug. Yeah. Feeling that experience of being totally vulnerable and uh, not having any idea what's going to happen and then having it just this moment of brilliance where it all comes together and the plot makes sense and the joke just lands and then everybody's laughing and you just feel electric Mm. and it's a it's a very addictive feeling performance 
Uh, and it's been a little hard on Zoom because you don't get that like live laughter feeling. Uh, but that has also driven me to focus more on my writing and to like really produce something that'll last because with improv, once you leave the stage, nobody really records it. That moment, you know, maybe your friends say, oh, remember that moment that was funny, but not really. Like that's not something that really lives on. So it's, it's almost safer in that sense because you have the safety of, it's very unlikely anyone's gonna remember this when I do something that's not interesting. Uh, they're only gonna remember the highlights. When you have been in, in that setting and I mean, you obviously have to be good at reading a room because you're feeding off their energy. How do you pivot when the energy is not electric or you're feeling like I've got to make a pivot? What goes through your mind to help you shift? I focus really deeply and closely on this world that I'm creating on my stage. Um, I think the stage partner is the most important thing to focus on. If two people are having a fight out in real life, you notice. If two people are making out in real life, you notice. So if I have any strong emotional response to my partner on stage, it's, it's very noticeable. And you just kind of make the story interesting because it has feeling. Sometimes, even if my partner is perhaps like not really noticing my bids, um, I will just turn into my own feelings. And you can even just name it. You could say like, wow, it's quiet night. <laughs> And then the audience will laugh because they know they've been quiet. Like they know that they've felt afraid to laugh. And if you name it and call it out, they'll say like, yeah, we've been, we've been resisting. Even just to call it that vulnerability that creates laughter. I think exactly. that in of itself is just such a profound lesson mm -hmm. that we think vulnerability is going to create some bad emotion or bad reaction. And the fact that vulnerability can create laughter is just so cool. I've never really thought about it that way. Yeah. I like to think of improv as a, a ritual of sorts where I'm leading the audience through this experience of anxiety and showing them that it's survivable. Like the scenarios that the characters have are usually awkward, uncomfortable, uh, something goes wrong. Um, and no matter what's happening, the audience members are seeing like we, the human beings who are playing at these jokes, are having a fine time. We're going to be fine, even though we are going to look real dumb and that's okay. We're going to have fun doing it. We're like your core gestures. That's good. What's the biggest takeaway that you think people that, uh, whether they're a parent or whether they're an employee can learn from improv? If there's one thing that you said, I want you to come to this one, two minute, five minute, five day class. Like what is the topic that you would talk about that you just feel like if everybody could have that vulnerability and freedom in this aspect of their life, they can be so much more effective in any role that they play. Your internal story matters more than what anyone else puts on you. You can choose to make the best of things. You can love your fate as it is in front of you and find ways to transform it, to make it your own. And you don't have to be afraid yet. You don't have to be afraid of what anyone else says about you because they can say whatever they want. It's about them. It's entirely your narrative is the one that you are living with day after day and every night when you go to sleep. That's great. I think that's like the perfect tie it all together. Like, what is that one thing? I don't think we realize the power of our story. And when we let someone else write our story, we are giving them power and it's, it's their voice. It's not our voice and our story. 
So I love that. Any last minute thoughts or anything else you want to share today? I think once you can become friends with the feeling of failure and that sensation of your body and know that is not going to cause you permanent harm, you are invincible. Mm. I really do. I think that um, being afraid of shame is what holds a lot of us back. Uh, but this year has just been so magnetic for me. And I feel like a lot of it is me saying, what would be the scariest thing for me to do next? Okay, let me try that. And it's been working out pretty well so far. Not like skydiving, but just like <laughs> writing essays about, you know, how I really feel or you know, things like that. Writing, what else? What else have you been doing? Oh, I've been doing writing. I've been doing performance. Um, I actually reached out to um, a producer whom I admired. Like I was saying, you look to your your mentors, people who are a couple steps ahead of you. And, you know, she's actually quite a few steps ahead of me, but she's um, going back to becoming a director. I sent her my uh, my pilot and she liked it. And she's saying, let's get together and make it. And I was like, what? That's amazing. So, I mean, I would be um, so happy to be back in production. The, you know, the thing I was doing before law school. <laughs> so, you know, it's funny how things come back around. Uh, same with, I, I have a, a writing mentor. I just reached out to people that I wouldn't think um, would be able to provide me with one. And suddenly, like, I've met this amazing woman who is um, just kind of checking in with me and saying, how are you doing? And mentorship is powerful. I think just try your best to create a community around you where people will care about how you're doing and know that it matters because we don't always tell ourselves that what we do matters. When you put yourself out there, it's amazing how the world shows up to meet you. Absolutely. Good stuff. Well, this was fun. This was a really, so many good insights and, and it just, it's a whole world that you don't really think about. And I think there's so much that we can all learn from it. I think there's so much freedom in, in learning to, to fail and learning to take risks and, and walking out sometimes without a plan and knowing it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Just hold the power in, in the story you tell yourself in your mind and just show up and let the world meet you there. This has been really, really encouraging. So thank you for this. Where can people find you or, or follow along? Well, I intend to, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to step out without a plan. Uh, I have been talking about how to start creating more so people can see. So I'm going to go use my Instagram, which is at May Brayton, M-A-E-B-R-A-Y-T-O-N. And I'm going to be posting funny videos because I love doing it. Please bring some humor into all of our lives. I think we can all use that. I think that would be great. <laughs> Oh, thanks so much. This has been so fun. It's really lovely to see you and talk to you. It has been so fun. So thank you again. And thank you for bringing laughter and fun into the world and into our lives. Well, I hope you've enjoyed today's episode. I sure had so many takeaways from this episode and just thinking about how do I just show up to the world more freely? How do I engage better with others and think about the energy that I bring into the room and that I welcome into my life? So, so many truths and takeaways. In case you missed any of them, here they are. Number one, look to people just a little further down the path from you. Think about what they did. If a human can do it and they can do it, hey, you can do it too. Number two, mentorship is powerful. Go ahead, reach out to people you admire who are a little bit further along than you are. Number three, do what you do with confidence. A lot of times people will say, hmm, that's plausible. Number four, step out there and trust. Let the magic unfold in the unexpected. Number five, 
When you're willing to fail, it opens up so many doors. If you're not failing on a regular basis, you're not innovating. So go try something you haven't done before because once you can become friends with the feeling of failure and that sensation in your body, you are invincible. Number six, where you put your attention matters. Make something real. Focus on it like it's important and others may just join you in that energy. Number seven, think or maybe rethink about how you support others when they've put themselves out there and failed. Number eight, if you haven't reached out to someone in a while, say hey or send a funny cat picture. Number nine, your internal story matters more than any other story out there. You don't have to be afraid of what anyone else says about you or thinks about you because they can say and think whatever it is that they want. That is their narrative. But yours is the one that you go to sleep with every day. Remember that you can transform that one and that's the one that matters. Thanks for tuning in today's episode. Thanks for sticking around to the end. If you haven't already, would love for you to take a quick 30 seconds to leave a review. Let me know what you thought about today's episode. So much more to come. Uh, Thanks for inviting me into your day and into your life and for being part of mine. This is so much fun to get to chat with you here every single week. So appreciate all of you so much. And until next time.